Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. So you've created a very special, we should say hello first. Hello. Hi. We should say hello first. Welcome to episode 23. I know this is a big one. Best of both worlds. Beginning the track, episode 23, Best of Both Worlds, part one only. Part one only. We have not yet seen part two. Right. Correct? Yes. Yes. As of the as of this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, and this one is a doozy of a conversation, wouldn't you say, Jessica? I think that I felt a little more empowered than you did by the end of it. Probably so. I had some things to get off my chest a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and and you know it's it's been a little while since we had that conversation, and we've we've uh, while while our listeners are hearing this conversation for the first time, I've gone back and done some of the extra research I promised I'll do. So um, both episodes one and two are going to be really fun, powerful. Hold on to your hat conversations. All right. Like, let's get ready. So folks, yeah, be, be ready for this. For those of you that are brand new to beginning the track, this may not be the best first episode for you to listen to. Although if, if you already know Star Trek uh, and best of both worlds is your jam, you'll definitely hear uh, a lot of opinion on both sides of uh, this conversation about this show. So yeah. And almost nothing to do with the Borg. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Which is it's kind of funny. As I went back and did my synopsis, it uh, it's kind of reflected in that. There's a lot less Borg in this Borg episode than I thought. Well... Let's hear it. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't been following our journey, go back and and start at the beginning. Otherwise, uh, here we go. We're going to do the best of both worlds. Ten sentence synopsis. Oh, and for this episode, because of our conversation, mm-hmm. this is a completely one hundred percent unisex synopsis. All right, lay it on us, Andy. All right, here we go. The Enterprise is responding to a distress call from the Federation colony on Jore 4 when it finds another of those scooped-out holes, giving credence to our deepest fears. The Borg have arrived. Picard welcomes Hansen, the likable, almost familiar admiral, as well as the young hotshot command prospect and resident Borg expert Lieutenant Commander Shelby aboard. Shelby is anxious to float ideas about how to stop the impending threat, but then receives a potentially uncalled-for snub by Riker with no invite to the officer's poker game. Alone at last, Picard and Hanson discuss Shelby's, um, merits as a potential first officer, since apparently Riker has been offered the Melbourne, but Riker's being wishy-washy and hasn't accepted the command yet. Shelby and Riker are not getting along, as the young upstart desires Commander Krabby Pants's soon-to-be-vacant first officer position on good old NCC-1701D, and then busts him up in the aforementioned poker game. Hashtag peak performance, hashtag I busted him up. <laughs> Riker whines to Deanna, then discovers Shelby transported early without communicating, gets really forceful, and then escalates again when the ambitious but overzealous lieutenant commander goes over Riker's head to Captain Picard. Riker, Riker, Riker. I'm sick of talking about Riker. Oh, thank God, the Borger here. So let's fire all weapons and, um, wow, that was a colossal fail. Let's go hide in the nebula then, tour the ship, start building our own hopefully unbeatable weapon, and just when the tension is right 
there, the Borg start bombing the nebula, so it's time to leave, and let's make sure we do a dramatic flyby exit when we do it. <laughs> Another confrontation, and this time they kidnap our beloved captain, putting... Oh, great. Commander about to pass on his third offered command right into the Enterprise's center seat. Shelby leads a successful mission to slow the Borg ship, giving us our shot, but the group is unable to retrieve Picard, leading to the amazing reveal that Captain Picard has now become Locutus of Borg. And, as Patrick Stewart's now inhuman voice informs us, our existence as we know it is over, acting Captain Riker orders, Mr. Worf, fire. End of part one. You brought back Captain Krabby Pants. I did. I brought Captain Krabby Pants in just because I remembered him from you. Yes, that was Captain Pike. For those who don't remember, I distinctly remember calling Pike Krabby Pants because that was the, not the menagerie. Yeah, that was the menagerie or actually the, the cage. We watched the, the Cage, yes. The Cage, yes. The Menagerie is the one that like does clip shows to the Cage. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I brought ba- I brought him back because regardless of his motivation... He was quite the Krabby Pants officer. He was quite the... He was even more than quite the Krabby Pants to Shelby, as we will be talking about for quite a while right about now. All right. Are you ready to talk Best of Both Worlds, just part one? I am ready to talk best of both worlds, just part one. Let's talk episode. Okay. I think this one's going to be pretty good because I have a lot to say. Plus, I know that this one is a lot of people's favorites. I've been hearing that. Kind of like Measure of a Man. So, Yeah, this one ranks way up there. Even if it's not people's favorites, it, it usually hits every top 10, every top five list for best episodes. Uh, and combined, both part one and two. So you, you, you've only seen part one. Right. So. I have not. I have actively avoided part two. Uh, and I'm sure when we talk track, we can talk about the big giant cliffhanger. Because spoiler alerts, guys. This one's a cliffhanger. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and give my little review thing, and this is going to get four out of five Locutus face implants. Four out of five. Oh, with the the laser, the laser, the red laser beam implants? Yep. Cool. And that one star drop is very specifically just 100% based on sexism in this episode. They get a whole star, and I should have taken two. It took me several rewatches to like this. Now, normally, I'll, I'll watch it, first reactions, put up my Twitter stuff, and then I'll watch it again and try and go a little bit deeper with, uh, okay, taking more notice of other stuff. This one took me more. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you must be talking at least in part about Commander Shelby. Is she Commander? I thought she was a Lieutenant. Lieutenant Commander. She's high enough ranking to be somebody's number one. And really, she ought to be a number one. That woman can command her own ship. Guaranteed. She is Lieutenant Commander. Yeah, okay. okay. Which puts her one rank below Riker. Okay. One one rank below Riker, two ranks below the captain. Okay. Well, since that's established, uh, like I said, one of the biggest distastes I had was Riker and her and his severe ego problems and the oozing and pointed sexism within that entire, uh, can we call it a relationship? I'm going to go ahead and call it a relationship. And uh, get ready, because I'm about to lay into this guy. 
Okay, <laughs> and I can see it on your face. I am prepared to tell you everything that was wrong. No, you know what? Let's start with, at some point, maybe someday, I will meet this writer who wrote this, and I want to know if this is purposeful or if this was where he was at in his life or if this is just honestly how he sees strong women because she's ambitious and I understand that to a lot of people she could come off as bitchy, but she's not. No, I don't think she's bitchy at all. I, I, I can I can imagine that some people would think that. I can imagine that some people would see her as... Confrontational? Well, she is confrontational. Yes. I, I, that doesn't mean bitchy, but she, she definitely pushes the line. She, she definitely pushes the line. She, she beamed down to the planet with data without letting the commander know, even though she knew that they were all going down together. She knew that that was the original orders. All she had to do was say, hey, look, I'm up an hour early. I'm going to head down. Before we get into that, let's start with the very, no, no, no. Let's start with the very, very first impression that she has of him. She is sitting in a room with, with Riker, with Captain Picard, and with the um, extremely recognizable uh, Admiral. I want to go back to her introduction because there was something that bothered me about her being introduced that was incredibly sexist that I did know. Okay, so, so, so when you started talking about that there was some sexism in this episode, I, I, my first thought was, oh, she's talking about this. Clearly there's more than I saw. Mm-hmm. But what I was talking about was Admiral Hansen having his conversation with Picard after introducing Shelby. One of the first things that he says, and it just made me put my hands over my face, he says, uh, it, Picard says, you seem quite taken by her. Right. And Hanson says, just an old man's fantasies. Yeah. Inappropriate by today's standards, even in that room. Remember that this was written in 1990, uh, ni- right? So you're saying that in 1990, it's okay to be sexist. No, I'm saying that in 1990, that just was how it was. Not that that, was, not that that is okay by today's standards, but it made it on TV back then, so people didn't take that as offensive the way that they would today. That's what I'm no, saying. No, 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 no. People accepted that that it was okay even though half the population can look at that and say i've been treated that way and it's not okay i'm not i'm not apologizing for it i didn't like the moment i'm right i'm right there with you i'm bummed that it made it on no i know but you're no you're saying that now it's not okay but it was okay back then it's not okay at any point no 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 that's not what i'm saying either (laughs) oh boy this is a landmine of an episode yes it is no let's Let's work this out, Andy, you and me. <laughs> let's let's do it. <laughs> because I'm I'm so tired. I I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, okay, I can come off like a militant feminist crazy person or somewhere along the sliding scale, I can be complicit in the fact that uh you can dehumanize me. And usually, we all end up somewhere in the middle. But I'm so tired of being told to sit down and shut up. So do you feel that Shelby felt dehumanized? She absolutely was. And it wasn't just the, oh, an old man's fantasy. It was, how do you miss the, how do you miss the poker slight? How do you miss him standing up and being like, oh, you're invited. You guys, you men in charge over here, you know you're invited. Uh, how about her? I just praised her 
she's really great. He doesn't say a word after that. He doesn't immediately go, oh, you play? He's not even kind. He's not even human to her. He completely, and he just walks out the door. Yes, I realize that he invites her later on. That's not even the point. She wasn't even an equal. She was nowhere near an equal in that room. She didn't exist in that room between those three guys sitting there talking about this, recognizing her as intelligent enough and having worked on this problem of the Borger coming. All three of them are sitting there looking at her like, oh, you're an expert. And then just flat out, we called you an expert, but we're not going to listen to a thing you say. We're not going to recognize you in our poker game. We're not going to, the second you leave, we're going to be like, ah, ha, ha, she's a great fantasy. If that isn't dehumanizing while actively saying, hey, this is a great woman, I don't know what is. And that's one of many in this entire episode. And I don't know if I need to, maybe, maybe I've made my point. Have, have I? Well, well. So here's here's where I am with it. Mm-hmm. You went to you went to a scene that I'm trying to replay in my mind to see how it played out because I'm thinking of the poker the poker game itself, right? Where she bests she does him, which I think is great because it is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the next moment that I can picture between the two of them is where she all be it very innocently, basically tells Riker, I'm going after your job. She openly expresses ambition. I Nothing wrong with openly expressing ambition. And to be fair, she had the assumption that he's going to become a captain. I understand that. I totally understand that. But that's But what she says to him is, I'm going after your job. Right. That's very different than I want to be a first officer of a, of a, you know, major starship out there. She says, no, I'm going after you. I want your job. No, she wants to be number one on the enterprise. Nothing wrong with her wanting that. That's his job. So I'd be a little bit guarded from that moment on. And that's where I figured the, some of that came from now. Oh, undoubtedly. But you brought me back to a scene that I just am not, like I gotta go, and, and and what happens right after it is kind of disgusting. That 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 little line there really annoys me. And I'm not saying he should have said that. I'm saying back then standards and practices, censors, whatever it was, what whatever people thought would be offensive to the masses, didn't include removing that line. It just didn't. I understand that. The same way that back in the 60s, Uhura got three lines an episode, most episodes, if that. I would be, I'd be shocked to see if she got... No, and here's the thing. You can still look back at that and say, it was not okay even then. No. It's not okay to be racist because it's 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Sure. When will we ever get to where it is 100% okay? I don't know, because the measures of society are completely different. You could take wage gap. You could take a percentage of representation. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of these standards of metrics that you could apply to a problem, and you can shoehorn a solution into it, but people just get angry at that. So... Are you really addressing the underlying problem that women 
absolutely are told to sit down and shut up. And this woman in particular is told by Riker in particular, sit down and shut up the entire episode. Everything she does pisses him off. And I understand she's confrontational. She's ambitious. She's openly, there's no guile in her. Mm-hmm. I like her. She is so passionate about solving this problem. And even then, even in her passion about solving a problem that they all have, she's told to sit down and shut up. So at what point do you stop telling women to sit down and shut up as a society? At what point? I don't know. Um, wow. <laughs> There's a, there's an entire yes. I, it took me a while to like this, and I understand it's a good episode. You're very angry at Riker about this, and I got it. And I am. Riker acts Riker acts like a dick. Now I I I, I literally I cannot believe I got to go back and watch Best of Both Worlds again, or at least this scene <laughs> with new eyes. I have to watch the opening scene with Shelby because the things that I remember is Admiral Hansen comes in. Introduces himself, introduces Shelby. Mm-hmm. They start talking Borg. He he introduces her. She starts talking about some of the things that they want to do. They have, and then they get to the. Po- you're right. They get to the poker thing. He invites. He invites Admiral Hansen. You're right. He doesn't invite her. He doesn't even think to invite her. He gets called out for not inviting her, and then turns and walks away. Like I don't care that you just called me out for being, and maybe that wasn't sexist. But if you combine everything together, it's, it's 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 interesting because yeah, it starts to create. You're, you're that may be the moment right there where you felt like, what was that? And then later, when he started acting confrontational with her, disproportionately disgusted with her ambition. There's there was there's something really off putting about someone saying I'm I want your job. She wasn't saying I'm coming after your job. What she was saying was, I hear you're moving on. That's awesome. I'm planning on taking your spot. But it, it did also come across as I mean, she said, I'm going to let them know I'm the right person for the job. And he says, What job? Yours. She says, I want your job. That's a very, that's a, that's a big gun to pull out. She automatically assumed from what the Admiral had said, he's going to be moving on. Of course she wants this job. She is ready for it. She has been working for it. She has clearly put up with a lot from Starfleet men. That Starfleet, yes. In a way that would have made me sit down and shut up. And she hasn't done that. So when she takes initiative and then has to apologize for it a little bit later... She will, but she's she's not sneakily politicking her way around. She's gotten, like, her superior officer has said, Picard, you need to look at this. She's great. I mean, granted, while actively saying that he would love to do her, but, you know, you take what you can get. Yeah, God, I wish that line wasn't in there, because that one right there set a tone for me. And it, and it definitely seems to have set a tone for you, too. Oh, that one didn't bother me. That, Isn't that interesting? Because that was the one that bugged me. That right there is so banal par for the course as a female in a professional environment. That one's not what hit me. What hit me was Riker actively every single time because of his own insecurities. Yeah. He's not sure what he wants to do in his career. And poor little him, what does he decide to do with that? Well, I think I'll take it out on the woman who has been nothing 
but honest, yeah, passionate, who wants to solve this problem, who wants to go after the Borg, that's who he's going to take it out on. And really interesting juxtaposition when he finally meets with Deanna Troy. Because when they sit down, they've had a past relationship, she is everything pretty and beautiful and non-confrontational and not really ambitious. She's just she's just there to feel your feelings with you. Even after working out with her, Deanna Troy basically saying, well, what, this isn't about that. What do you want with your career? He goes back and literally the very next scene starts yelling at Shelby again. Which is the next scene after that? Um, it's the one where they're trying to work stuff out. Jordy is... Uh, He's like, this would take 18 months. And she's like, oh, well, we've been saying it would take 24. Of course, it doesn't matter because the Borg are like right there. <laughs> it, it could be three weeks. It's not going to freaking matter because I'll be here tomorrow. One last thing, though. It only hurts all the more because Riker is not the character who I would expect that from at all. He is charming and he's the, he's the diplomat. He's the peacemaker. He's the one who makes sure everyone is okay. And it's weird and so off-putting to see him be so aggressive against her because he doesn't treat anyone like that. Yeah, no, well, hmm. <laughs> this is really interesting because, again, this track is yours for the first time, and I've seen stuff very newly, and I've always loved Shelby. I've always thought that she's just, she's strong. She's great. She's ambitious. She's not bitchy. And and it's funny because so often you find that in order for a, either an actress to play, like, like the model isn't quite figured out on screen yet. They're still working on creating them, especially back in 1990. This aired June 18th. 1990. So okay. they were still, you know, the model is still being created. Janeway is still a, a, a few years away yet. Um, I got to look at it again. You really are bothered by this. It's funny. We're yes. spending, we're spending all our time on the one Picard Borg implant that you didn't give. The Borg are, uh, the, the main plot line, but for me, it wasn't. For me, the main plot line was was Riker's thing. They're talking about careers and politics during this, like people are dying and ships are getting uh, distress signals that disappear. Like it's it's all of that, and that's that's. But that's not what you're dealing with. We're not talking very much about the Borg. It's these two characters throughout this entire episode, almost. Who are interacting with each other, and I and I was I was so bothered by it. Well, so so the rumor had it, and we talked about this. John, not Jean Luc Picard. The rumor had it that that Patrick Stewart was potentially leaving the show after this season. Mm-hmm. That this could be the end of him, and Captain Riker, and number one as Shelby. Oh, could have been a thing. Yes. So setting up that initial tension was something that they wanted to do. I know that that was a, like, that was a thing. I don't know if you know what actually happens after this episode, if you know whether or not Patrick Stewart leaves the show. I mean, I can only assume 
seeing how there's movies with his face on it and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. And and we've talked about great acting performances and episodes that are still to come. Aside from the fact that this is old. Um, so I did everything I could to simulate the the three months, more than three months, I think, of time that it took between the end of this episode and the beginning of the next one, sitting there with Riker saying, Mr. Worf, fire. Great ending line, by the way. Unbelievable. Like, that was totally effective. There were a lot of really... Okay, so we talked about my one star off the very specific one star off how about we move on past and talk about the four stars that are the four that are great instead of the one that is missing amazing stars because there's probably more coming i would assume you want to talk i do i have some little things and then i have i had an epiphany about the borg that i it blew my own mind (laughs) i went so deep (laughs) okay let's talk about some of the some of the things in this episode Okay, we have talked before many times about the dimensions of space. Yes. There's an entire, I don't even know how to express it, like mathematically or physics. They enter this cloud and they could literally go any which way they want. But they have to stay in the cloud because when they leave the cloud, they have to pass right by the Borg. There is no like... We can go to the other side of this cloud. Or, hey, this is sci-fi. Have we ever thought that if this cloud is blocking us from the Borg, why don't we just manufacture whatever is going on with this cloud and take that with us? Like, let's create clouds around atmospheres of planets or something. Like, none of this. It's all, like, let's go to the higher end of the frequency so we can shoot them with a phaser that we already have. Anyway, I'm just saying, some of the ideas, not very creative. Um... They already set up the shot behind the Borg ship. And if the Enterprise doesn't come flying by it on its way out, they miss the daylight. And so they had to do that. (laughs) I don't know. You're right. You're right. They could have gone out the back. They should have gone out the back, right? They're through a cloud. They're there. We're trying to get away from them. It's a very Um, tiny cloud, I guess. The Borg are just going to hop to the other side of it, too. I don't know. I got nothing for that one. Hold on. Hold on. Oh. I might have something for this. The whole point behind this was to set up to use the weapon that we had constructed against them. Right. If we sneak away. Well, yeah. Oh, they're going to find us. I mean, you know, we should have at least tried. It would have given us a few more minutes of, of you know, occupying them. You're right. We shouldn't have done it that way. But, but the whole goal was we're going to blast you with this thing. So we want you to see us. So you come after us so we can set up and blast you. I understand. I'm just saying they came right out on the same level as the ship facing up. No, fingers up. Right. It's dumb. <laughs> yeah. The board cube that never, that's always flat still. And ne- never once did we see that thing come in on its side, tumble anything. It just comes in flat. I do have a question about the Borg. We say that they have been around for a long time. They've taken over uh, tons of civilization. Guinan mentions this. Yes. There's only one ship? There's only one ship coming to Earth. They only thought they needed one. Oh, such hubris. Right? Or maybe not, depending. Well, who knows? I mean, you know. We survived, so I'm going to go with hubris. Okay, so there are a lot more Borg ships, but we only have to deal with this one. At this time, anyway, right. um, there's they just sent the one, apparently. They certainly haven't sent a fleet. 
They didn't seem to think they, so far they haven't seemed to need a fleet. They just need the one cube. You're right. It's very funny that they, that they fly out right past the board ship. The one thing that they're trying to avoid. So ridiculous. Yes. The moment when Data is schooling Wesley on poker is a gift. He might be bluffing. He might be bluffing. And the rest of it, too, when he's just like, no, 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 no. Here's what you shouldn't do. And it's just it, Data being funny with Wesley. I actually, it would be fun to see those two together. Wesley and Data? Yeah. Um, I'd have to think of maybe an episode or two where they 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 play together. I don't know. Okay, so let's get started on the Borg since we talked about Yeah, so you have an epiphany about the Borg, and I had a bit of an epiphany about the Borg, too, but it's really no big epiphany. Okay. What's yours? I was trying to classify, so I got to thinking. I was like, are the Borg, like, zombies? Because they move a little bit like Mm. zombies, and when they're coming at them, it was very zombie-esque. But they're not zombies, because zombies consume, they, like, they eat, but the stuff that they're doing is unintentional. Like, turning other people into zombies isn't a thing for zombies. That's for vampires. So I was like, Borg are vampires. And the problem I have with that is, much like robot overlords, eventually it doesn't mean anything once you get to breaking point, like... If the vampires don't stop themselves from turning everybody into vampires, eventually they're going to have a bunch of vampires and everybody's going to die. And kind of the same thing with robot overlords. Eventually, if all of the robots are in charge, there's no creative thought. Why would robots be in charge of themselves? Because if there's no purpose in the AI except to take over things, then it just... Once there's nothing to take over... Once there's nothing to take over, right. What happens? Right. You're going to hit a wall with any of that consuming kind of character. So the Borg are ultimately doomed to failure because they will eventually consume everything to the point where there's nothing left to consume, and then they... What happens to them? Yes, but here's where my epiphany came in. The Borg aren't robot overlords, and they're not vampires either. The Borg are terrorists. Oh, really? Yes, and this hit me... So in such a cool way, because I got to thinking about the fact that Picard has a name. Well, Picard has a name, but Picard gets turned into a Borg and shouldn't have a name. He should just be a part of this hive Mm -hmm. that has no name, but he doesn't. He's Locutus, which is a great name, by the way, speaker. Mm -hmm. Anyway, (laughs) um, they specifically choose him because they need someone to talk to the humans which they don't need at all. But somehow it came to them that they do need somebody who's going to be like some kind of ambassador in some way. That Locutus is going to make humans understand why Borg are the way they are. But that wasn't really the point. This is what got me started on the point was they took Picard, who believes in, what was the line? It's uh, not self-expression, but he, he believes in self- self Self-determination. Self-determination, all the stuff he says, and they're the ones, and the Borg are like, that's irrelevant. I have a passionate belief that every human is creative. You know this. Yep. (laughs) We're both very creative, but the people who don't think that they are creative, and they say things like, oh, I can't even draw a stick figure. You're you're a creative person. Yeah. Every human being on this planet is creative. Um, And I also passionately believe that our differences as humans 
is what makes us strong. And guaranteed, Picard believes that too. <laughs> so to be assimilated is, it's the same thing we do as humans when we try to take everything that's around us and conform it into something that we think is right. And it's why people get so angry, like me, about HOA rules. Because does it really hurt you that I have a different colored green door? Or does this really matter to you? The artwork that you don't like is hanging somewhere in a public space. That's, that's, but you, get, you take it bigger. Well, suddenly it starts to matter very much that you believe a religion that I don't believe. Yeah. And you will kill me if I don't start believing what you believe. The Borg are not vampires. They're not robots. They're terrorists. Hmm. When you get to a certain point, at, like vampires, you hit a wall because there's just no more to consume. I think the Borg are actually going to run into the problem that societies don't work that way. And they're going to get pockets of Borg who are, they can't fight the fact that self-determination is there, creativity is there, and they're going to get pockets of diversity of thought. Okay, yeah? it's time for me to look up the episode. You're awesome. Am I? <laughs> you you have, I love this. <laughs> One of the things I discovered during the last edit was I talk too much sometimes. So I wanted to make sure that you got a chance to say more stuff. Well, this was a great episode for you to let me do that. Yeah, it really worked out. Totally freaking worked out. I love it. I love it. Okay. So um, we're not done with the... We, are, you and I, Jessica... All of Star Trek is not done with the board. All, all of Star... I keep saying that. The, <laughs> the, I'm going to recommend an episode. It's funny. There's only... I was only going to recommend one or two episodes. I And mm -hmm. I was saving this one for... I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this week. But this one right here uh, is called I, Borg. So just the letter I and okay. B-O-R-G. I, Borg. It's the 23rd episode of the fifth season, and it will continue the Borg storyline. We will actually find an injured Borg that's been separated from the rest of the collective, and he's kind of off on his own. And um, as we – we will kind of nurse him back to health. Okay. And learn a little bit about the perspective of Borg life from him. So we'll actually get to interact with him, find out a little bit about what he's up to, what he's all about. Uh, he'll they'll name him, which put a name on a guy. Mm-hmm. Suddenly unique. Suddenly yep. he's something, and and then his storyline continues on into the future as well. So uh, I Borg is definitely one. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the Borg in the next gen universe, we will be learning more about the Borg in Voyager. When we get to Voyager, there will be a, a large storyline that involves the Borg and we're going to catch, you and I are going to catch a little bit of that. Cool. So if you want to know more about, about how the Borg, about what they're up to, that they're terrorists is really an interesting thought. And... You know, the term terrorists is, is it's, it's fraught with 
peril itself because yes, yes. some terrorists can be based on religion. Some can be based on, uh, I, I mean, ideologies. Some terrorists are terrorists just to incite terror. You know, the the Joker was a terrorist. Right. Just for the chaos. Yes. But, but I can see from one perspective, yeah, they, they, you know, they have this ideology. Well, I don't know. Um, I, I sort of see them a little bit as a zombie horde, except that the, instead of eating you, they, they, it does have that little vampire mm. thing where they sort of turn you into them, but they're all right. single-minded a purpose. They all seem to be up to a same thing of some sort, which, you know, seems to be find new stuff, bring it in, make us bigger. Consuming more. Make us stronger. Right. Make us, you know, we will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Did they say that in this episode? They did. That's the, that's the quote, right? And then the big quote, resistance. Is futile. So now I have that in my pop culture real references. That's it. This was where you first hear that for the first time. And it comes. Did I not tell you that in the next time we saw the Borg that they would speak and that you would not like it one little bit? Okay. I know that this goes without saying, but yet again, and I'm sure I will say it again. How amazing is Patrick Stewart? So good. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. It's so and the and the red laser so effective when it's he's it's ah yeah. <laughs> no, I, I will say there there was the one thing I didn't like about this episode and it was a big and strong one thing. Mm-hmm. But it's really really well done and the very end with Riker firing is very effective. Brilliant little cliffhanger. Yes. The, there were two particular looks that I thought were extremely well done with just pure acting is when Picard is taken. So the, the Borg comes and puts his hand on the neck on his neck and the look of just shock and dismay on Picard's face is, is as he disappears as he disappears is, yeah. is really just like, yo, I was there with him and I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? No. Uh, and the look that Beverly Crusher gives immediately recognizing the Borg implant and what's going on with him didn't say a word. If she did say something, it wasn't like a line. It was like, oh, Picard or something like that. Yeah, she says uh, Jean-Luc, I think is all she says right, there. But the, but the actual look on her face, I thought that those two in particular really caught me. Yeah. This episode is just so believable to me, mm. even though this is, I mean, you know, I know it's, it's the Borg, it's, it's Star Trek, it's, this was a TV show from the 90s, but everything's played so genuine and so real, even mm-hmm. down to Locutus at the end with mm-hmm. his very convicted from this time forward, you will service us. I mean, there was very, I didn't see any Picard in that. Did you? No, no. That was a whole different character. You know, and there's rumors that Patrick Stewart is leaving the show. So, you know, he may go off with the Borg. Never. Riker may just, they they may fire and it may just blow up and we just have to deal with, we killed our captain. That may be the next episode. Do you think that's the next episode? I have my predictions, but I'll save them. I will say this was a very visceral episode. There wasn't a big, like, moral, intellectual, tough call thing. None of that going on. And I think it's actually really interesting because the second the captain gets taken and turned into, like, you know when you see his empty... uh, jumpsuit or the shirt or the communicator and he's not with it yeah there there's a moment there where you know that it's no matter what this is going to have an impact uh if 
Picard stays a Borg, which obviously I don't think is going to happen because, you know, there's more seasons. Um, or he dies, which obviously I don't think is going to happen because more seasons. Or well, like, no matter what, he's been turned into this and they're going to have to deal with some kind of repercussions. Even if that repercussion is that Picard comes back and suddenly has a huge understanding of being a Borg. Yeah, this this will uh, affect him in in a lot of ways going forward. His character will change some uh, going into the fourth season out of this. And when we get to talking next week, Mm -hmm. uh, this will be the episode that I will suggest that you watch. That's not on our list. The damn it. If you don't watch it, it's, it's a, it's a damn shame. And if you like just watching Patrick Stewart, just chew the screen for 40 minutes. Who would say no to that? Well, you're, and it's not a science fictiony episode at all, and it, it we'll talk about it when we get to next week. You know me; I love character, I love story. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Deanna Troy uh, moment. I love Deanna Troy for two reasons. In this, I did like her being there to be his sound to be Riker's sounding board for what the hell am I doing? Mm. I thought that she she handled that really nicely as a counselor should. I was about to say useful as a counselor. Oh, although I did have it I did have a thing that I said, is it really fair that she's playing poker? Because she can read people. I would also question, is it really fair that Data is playing poker? Because he can probably see things at a macroscopic level. And Jordy can probably sense heat coming oh. off of you. And Wow, none of these guys should be playing poker. No wonder Wesley's getting crushed. Sit down, son. You're right. <laughs> I took the one. You were, you went all out. Bring your replicator rations. We'll show you how to play poker. It'll be fun. Yeah. Okay, so so Deanna Troy had a, had a nice moment, and then she had a second nice moment that I really loved. Yes, when Riker is barking orders, he's now the he's now the acting captain. Right, Picard has been kidnapped by the Borg, and he's going over there to rescue Picard. He's taking the away team, and she stops him. Deanna stops him and says, "It's inappropriate for you to go." You're the acting captain. You're the captain. She basically, she shifts from being, like, she suddenly becomes almost this consigliere to him, this advisor. And it's nice moment, Deanna Troy. Let's talk Trek. Let's talk Trek. There's a bunch of Trek to talk because there's Trekking everywhere. There's a lot of Trekking going on in this episode, isn't there? There is. So does my thus far favorite female guest star come back? Does Shelby return? She definitely returns in our next episode. Oh, well, yes. (laughs) Like beyond that. But unfortunately, unfortunately, no. Oh, she's going to die. They're going to martyr her. (sighs) Sorry, I just went there with the story. Of course they are. How else are you going to make her okay without killing her off? I'm not going to spoil anything for you on this, but I can't believe I didn't think about that before. I answer, and I I didn't think to that, that I should not have even thought to answer that question. But don't worry about it. You might be wrong. Why do I not feel like this? Is... <laughs> what if I What if I told you that you're wrong? What if I told you that she definitely survives the episode? Fantastic. Okay. Are you going to be talking about in another timeline? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> no. timey-wimey stuff and Star Trek. I, I, I just, I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't want to spoil anything about, you know, how this, how this concludes. Mm. 
but um she'll be back for at least one more <laughs> i could say something inflammatory right now go for it the cliffhanger isn't as good as you remember it it probably isn't, but it was the very first one I ever saw. So that, that's what I wanted to talk Trek about. Okay, let's talk that. Let's talk so that. This big, giant cliffhanger that's been completely ruined by the fact that it's, you know, old now. Well, yeah. So I tried to simulate for you as best I could the three miserable months I spent hearing rumors of Patrick Stewart leaving the show. At one point, hearing, even hearing a rumor that Jonathan Frakes might leave the show and that somehow this would all resolve with him being killed and shall be continuing on as number one with no internet because we didn't have the internet back then. Right. We had fanzines and rumor mills and, you know, some guy that I knew that supposedly had more information than anybody else, but who knows what he actually knew. Oh, marketing. It was a long three months of what's going to happen here. And it's probably no surprise to you that um, Patrick Stewart doesn't actually leave the show because you're right. You've seen him on movie posters. You've, we've talked about it. He goes through the entireness of The Next Generation. I know this. He's the captain for Till The Next Generation Ends. But I had not seen except for someone like Atasha Yar where, you know, there was an actress that said, I'm leaving the show. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen characters die, leave. I, this was really shocking to me. Oh, you mean just in TV in general, not necessarily Star Trek, but they didn't kill off main characters. No, very rarely would they kill off. It was a big deal. I, I remember when they killed off Henry Blake in MASH. Oh, God, spoiler alert. For MASH? Let's talk spoiler alert for a second. <laughs> a young, a, a, I want to tell you a story about a young Andy standing outside showcase cinemas back in the the early 80s standing in line for the second showing of the empire strikes back okay and as the first showing let out and the doors opened up spoiler alert i'm about to spoil the empire strikes back for anyone who might be listening here <laughs> somebody walks out the door and says i can't believe that darth vader is luke's father and i'm standing in line to see the second showing that was a ruining moment for me to have somebody say something like that coming out of the theater at that time. Do you start to get why I'm a little crazed about spoilers? I don't believe you because we've had conversations where you will actively try and figure out, you'll be like, I knew that happened and I knew that was going to happen and I know this is going to happen. So you're like actively spoiling things for yourself. Oh, but that's me trying to figure out like where a plot might be going or, or something. And that's, the, you know, I've got a bit of a writer's mind, a storyteller's mind. And I, I've, I've almost ruined television for myself because I can see plot elements instead of characters at times. It's like, oh, this one's going to do this and they're going to do that. Ignorance is bliss. Sometimes it's it's more fun to just go through the to go through the the, the experience. I have no idea what's going to happen. It's awesome. That, which is why I go back to episode 2 for you and I. The Corbin might maneuver. Mm -hmm. Our first episode together and you being legitimately surprised by Baylock and I keep coming back to that. That right there reconnected me with the surprise of Star Trek. With with the wonder of what could happen. You're a smart woman. You you probably will be able to predict a good part of how this episode 
will play out, how the next one will play out. But for me back then to see something like this and not know whether my favorite captain of that time, did I say that? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to even put that in the episode. I think you should. He was your favorite captain of that time. At that time, I thought he was going away. And I didn't know what was going to happen with my show. And I like Shelby. And and Mm. that was one of the cool parts about it. There was never any thought about, I don't want her. It was, what is it going to look like? You know, are we going to lose Picard and and, uh, Captain Riker? It was more about, really, Captain Riker? Can he be the captain? He's going to need to shave his head, like, immediately. Right, because you've got to shave your head if you're going to command. Ditch the beard. Yeah, exactly. So you're telling me that this cliffhanger was really effective. But I'm telling you, not really. Well, not, it doesn't hold, the cliffhanger, shockingly, doesn't hold up over time. It worked for me. It is a bit of a dead tactic for TV, just in general, what with streaming being available. Okay. But I will tell you, a young Jessica, okay, this was actually only like a week ago, uh, this is how a millennial gets her spoilers, is I was using somebody else's phone, and I picked up, and I hit this, because I was going to search Google for something, and in their search history, they had said, how does die on And I literally was just like, oh, come on. died? She's been there for like eight days. Okay, it's not a really big one, and apparently they killed her off kind of willy-nilly, but I've been watching for a while now, and I'm not alone, because... I'm going to insert this in the beginning. We're about to give a spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't think you really need to do that. Nobody cares. This isn't Star Trek fandom. But it shocked me. Like, that's how a millennial gets spoiled. Actively avoiding social media and yet still using somebody else's search history just ruined. I get it. Information is so readily available right now. I just binged Fargo season two. I'm about halfway through. Right. And because everything's interconnected now, suddenly my YouTube channels start recommending Fargo stuff, right? Oh, showing you. Yeah. I already watched season one, so I watched a season one spoiler and it keeps on playing stuff that it thinks. And I was away from my remote long enough to not realize that it had gone to a season two episode, the last episode review mm-hmm. and before, and, and it spoiled a little part of it for me. It's so hard to avoid the information dump anymore. Yeah. It, Cause it's everything and everything's connected. And I look at, I look at the new discovery. I look at Star Trek discovery with its 15 episode storyline and it's all to tell one story now. And that's how television is being done today. Whereas back then in the nineties, you got a moral every 45 minutes. One of the things that I love about this, this track is, is watching how television has changed its presentation and seeing us move from a, a single episode to a single episode, uh, you know, we forgot what happened last week right. to now we at least remember what happened last week. And sometimes we have stories that continue like this Borg storyline, which I already said will continue on right. and the Klingon storyline, which will continue. And there's, of course, I mean, there's a dozen storylines that are happening in episodes that you know nothing about. I just loved watching the way that I just really dug this cliffhanger. You don't think it was that good a cliffhanger. I get I- it. Cliffhangers don't work after time has passed. Because people know. Yeah. Patrick Stewart's not leaving the show. There was nothing I could do to put you in a box and say... I am never going to feel the anticipation that you guys felt. Well, I gave it my best. 
But I do, I'm, I do feel the annoyance of having to wait because you've told me to, and I did. Cool. So there's that. <laughs> and, and that was a part of it was just to give you a, give you a, because in this streamable world, right, where as long as they've already made it and put it out there, we can get to the next one. We can watch the whole thing. Sometimes we don't even start a series until we can watch it all. Netflix and chill for three days. Exactly. So it's nice to know that I can still ratchet up the tension. We're going to we're going to finish recording in about 20 minutes and you're going to go right and watch this episode, aren't you? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. You don't know me. <laughs> of course I am. You're not the boss of me. I'll do what I want to do while I'm eating popcorn and watching the second part. Are you ready to talk next week? Well, the next one's not a surprise. It's part two. It better be part two. The next episode is season four. Episode one, the very next episode of The Next Generation, The Best of Both Worlds, part two. See, now, if you really wanted me to come over there and stab you, you would have been like, ha ha, I'm going to make you watch that one on your own and we're not going to talk about it. No, I'm actually going to, but I am going to recommend an episode that you watch immediately following this episode. I'm going to be up till one in the morning. Go for it. You might be. Uh, so so uh, there's no spoilers, obviously, for The Best of Both Worlds, part two. Uh, you already have everything that you need to know as long as okay. you watched Best of Both Worlds, part one with us just now. So, uh, yeah, you're ready to go with that. And I want to get your prediction in a moment. But before we do okay. that, I want, to, I want to tell you about another episode that... It's a shame that I don't have room in our 52 for it because this is just almost required viewing. Oh, there's going to be people who are angry that it's not in here, huh? There's going to be, yeah, yeah. This concludes the six-hour arc that we've done that started with the encounter at Farpoint where we met Q. Okay. Episodes one and two, which led us to Q Who. Sure. Where Q introduced us to the board. Right. Which then leads us through these two episodes, Best of Both Worlds, and then we'll conclude Picard's journey through this with an episode called Family. It's the second episode of the fourth season, so it's the very next episode after this one. And if you are up for just watching Patrick Stewart be the most awesome actor for an hour of Star Trek... He's fantastic in this. This is him going back to Earth, being with his family, dealing with the ramifications of the things that happened during the best of both worlds. Ah, uh, I knew it. The second you put that little thing on him, like you're going to have to address that he's been a Borg. Yes. Yeah, totally. And this episode definitely... He, he begins to confront what he's had to deal with, what he's up to. There's two side stories in this episode, which are also very good. One of them involves Worf and his human parents. You'll get to meet his human. Oh, right. Because he was adopted. Yes. Russian <laughs> Russian parents. Uh, and they come aboard the ship for a while. And then also there is some resolution uh, between Wesley Crusher and his father, Jack Crusher. Who's dead. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So yeah, all about family, appropriately named. So I'm I'm recommending family right now, uh, for those of you that uh, are doing the trek with us. It's not on our 52 because I mean, come on, I split best of both worlds into two. So give me family, will you, folks? A really good way to get some closure on this whole Borg thing. That's family. All right. But Best of Both Worlds is the episode for next week. Okay. 
Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Part 2. Is the episode for next week. Wow. So, Jessica? Prediction time? Prediction time. Uh, my prediction is that when he said, fire, it's not going to do anything. Or it's certainly not going to do enough. Maybe it lands, but it's not going to do anything. So the Bork basically ignore everything we throw at them and leave the Enterprise as a mess in space while they head off to take over other ships and planets. Uh, probably making a beeline for Earth, because that seemed to be where they were going. Riker's going to become the captain of the Limping Enterprise, and there's going to be a ton of funerals. Maybe they pound that home, maybe not. We're going to try to keep up with the Borg, but mostly I think we're just going to come across a lot of destruction as we bounce along through picking up the Borg trail and probably picking up a lot of refugees. So I think the Enterprise is going to turn into like a kind of a ragtag refugee camp ship. On the Borg side, we're going to get a look into Captain Picard. Not Captain Picard. We're going to get a look into Locutus and how he influences them. Because resistance is never futile. Not once ever. And there's going to be a showdown right in front of Earth. All of the ships that are left. uh, And there's going to be some scrambling high frequencies and reversing polarities. And, you know, tech the tech talk. Which I know where that comes from now. So that was fun. (laughs) And right after we beam Picard back on board, we're going to destroy that thing. Because we're going to work together. All the ships are going to work together. And that is the longest prediction I have ever given, but mostly because I've already seen part one, so it felt appropriate that I get a little more detailed. Yeah, you. I, it looked like you were reading that. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so you actually spent some time... Ruining it for myself, Because I know sure. you come up with a lot of these... Predi- Typically, when I pull the giant prediction machine out, it's because you, 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 know, you make it up kind of as we go, because all you're getting is the title. In this case, you, you put some effort into this. And on a scale of you didn't get any of it right to you got all of it right, you, you, are, you are quite yeah. in the range. Yeah, you, you got a lot of it. That doesn't mean anything. I'm quite in the range. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> now you're just saying words. <laughs> <laughs> I should do that more often. I should do like a giant prediction. Well, except that you don't have a whole lot of time to figure it out because I just give you the, the name of the next episode. So um... It was a lot easier. I can say I should do this every time, but then I'd just be making stuff up beforehand when I don't even know anything. Yeah, multiply this week times three months. And, and you kind of get a sense of the predictions that were rolling through my head and some of my friends' heads as we tried to figure out whether or not they were going to kill off our captain. I think you like Picard more than you let on. Um, oh, I definitely like Picard. I, I, I don't think that I ever said I didn't like Picard. This trek has, has had me reexamine some of the stuff about Kirk that, you know. Sure. Is it necessary? It's that. Trekisterostalgia stuff again. It's that I could still love him and see that some of what he says and does is still a little inappropriate and he can't go back and change it. So, yeah, you never can. The second you put something out there, who, why would anybody do that? Who does podcasts? <laughs> right? It's just like all of your opinions spread out to anyone who's willing to listen. You sure you want to publish this episode? Once they're out there, they're out there. It's crazy. Who would do this? Yeah. Can't take it back. You can't. Uh, But you know what? So what? Some of the stuff I'm very proud of having said, by the way. (laughs) Most of them jokes. I'm super proud of 
everything that we say. I think that we have done a fabulous job of int- of introducing Star Trek to mm-hmm. you so far. You seem in for the ride still. Yeah. Mission accomplished so far. Number two, having people come along for the ride. We have several several hundred subscribers at this point, so somebody's listening to us, right. and I assume a certain percentage of y'all are either watching it for your first time or maybe watching it for your first time in a long time or you hadn't seen much of it, and this is kind of a reintroduction. These were our missions. This is what we wanted to do. I'm, I'm putting the call out there right now. Folks... Find a friend who you want to introduce Star Trek to and start the journey with them. And then start it over. come on Twitter at Begin the Trek and tell me about it. Then you have to be public or post on the Facebook or uh, send us an email info at Begin the Trek because I am kind of desperate to hear from somebody who is also just starting and their first impressions because th- I get to spout off my first impressions, but I have no idea what other people's first impressions are. And I think that would be fascinating to compare notes. Yes, and uh, our Facebook page, too, at Beginning the Track. So you can go there, and you're going to be tweeting yes. your first impressions of The Best of Both Worlds Part 2. So I will be tweeting, yes, it is a Sunday, as per usual, 7 p.m. March the 4th. And like I've said before, if you don't keep up with Twitter because everybody's feed is just enormous at this point. Uh, I do put it when I post the actual episode on beginning the track.com. There's a little sidebar with all the tweets in it too. So if you want to, there's not that many, but it's kind of fun to see <laughs> what hit me in the moment. I think it's great. I love going back and looking. I, I've, I've not seen your best of both worlds. I'm dying to see what your best of both worlds part one tweets look like. I'm a little concerned of what you might think of Riker going forward. Uh, yeah, me too. Because that relationship is still tense. That won't change just because we've gone three months without an episode. I hope not for continuity's sake. Unless he wants to apologize, in which I'm personally, Jessica, is willing to listen to him apologize to her. (laughs) Other Trekkies get to take it just as personally as this, so. You are allowed to be a Trek fan however you are a Trek fan. That is part of the beauty of being this. I'm just thrilled to have you on the team. <laughs> Go have fun. Watch the you're, In about 12 minutes, you'll, you'll already be done popping popcorn and ready to go with your new episode, Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Except I'm supposed to be watching it on Sunday. Oh, that's right. Mm. Well, it, maybe, it's, maybe it is Sunday. They don't know when we record this. <laughs> I'm not going to tell them. I'm wondering if I'm going to need as many rewatches of part two as I will of part one. Apparently, I need at least one more of part one before I go back and watch. And I've already watched Family again, so I feel I feel resolved. I think we're good. Let's say let's say goodbye till next week. Enjoy Best of Both Worlds. Thank you. I will. Bye. Bye. Elizabeth Dennehy. She's great. She really is. Yeah, she's done a ton. Well deserved. Uh, I thought she did a great job. Yeah, I did too. I like her. I I, I like the character. I liked her. I think that she was a very strong part of the show. Mm-hmm. And I sincerely hope that she doesn't die in the next episode. Uh-huh. Me too. You'll know in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>